This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, hey, hey, what's going on? It's Dr. Fuck, and with me this week is... Oh, yeah! And not only him, but we also have... You, you, you do the honors. Me? No, no, our guest. Of course you, you drunk bastard. Oh, all right. Well, uh, man, this is a very special, popular album we're going to be discussing. So we knew we had to have somebody that, you know, is a fan favorite. and uh, That likes the album. Yeah, and, and we couldn't find anybody. Nobody wanted to show up. So uh, we got the hillbilly with us. Justin Childers is in the house. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing great, man. I'm ready to rock this shit. Hell yeah. I love that attitude. I love that attitude. Knowing that you have the AIDS and you're still so chipper. Exactly. I'm I'm not dying with AIDS. I'm living with AIDS. He's living. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I like I like that attitude, man. And by the way, uh don't don't think Justin caught the AIDS by like an HIV need or, or transfusion. He got it the old fashioned way. He Absolutely. fucked a monkey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a male monkey. <laughs> oh, God. Justin, you know, not only were you the first person in your family to go to kindergarten, you are the first one to repeat it, too. We're, <laughs> we're, we're glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Justin, as an outsider, what's your take on the human race? <laughs> anyway... Uh. <laughs> anyway, so how are we all doing? Are y'all ready to tackle this uh, concept album? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's get into the review and uh, welcome back again, Justin Childers. Thank you. Yeah, you better say thank you. I had, to, I had my fucking finger on the hang up button right there. <laughs> that motherfucker better say thank you. Well, I'll fucking take him down faster than his AIDS does. <laughs> All right. So anyway, okay. So uh, uh, I'll start. Fuck it. I'll start because I'm going to be the bad guy on this one. But whatever. Uh, before I, I start, uh, let's go through the ages. How old were you, Justin, in 1988? 15. 15. All right. Um, uh, Ian? Uh, this came out right before I turned uh, 14. Okay, 14 and 15. See, that was the age that... See, I, I was... Uh, in 1980, I was 15. So I'm like eight years older than you guys. And yeah, in 1980, I was loving everything. So I can understand why, you know, you both would love this. Well, I, I, I believe one of you two don't like it as much as the other. But, you know, either way. Um... I hated this album, and I'll tell you why. And I still do. Um, I, I, I hated it. I hated somewhere in time, and I was like the biggest maiden nut swinger there was uh, by Power Slave. You know, yeah, Live After Death. I was like, boy, this is pretty shitty because of Bruce Dickinson's vocals. Yeah, I know everybody out there seems to not really care about how shitty Bruce Dickinson sings and thinks. That's one of the greatest live albums ever. Like, like if Made in Japan didn't exist. 
And uh, then Somewhere in Time came out. I mean, I, I, I don't care about live albums in the 80s. It, it just, I thought 80s live albums sucked. To me, it was, uh, the, the 70s was the real live albums, even when they were recorded in the studio. But, um, so then Somewhere in Time comes out, and I'm like, holy fuck, they finally made a shitty album. Because up to, up to that point, I loved Iron Maiden. But, you know, I still supported them. I still went to go see them live. No matter what. Every time Maiden comes down here. Even fucking... Even as of recent, I always go see Maiden. It's just, dude. That's just the way I am. And, uh... But, you know, Somewhere in Time left a really bad taste in my mouth. Unlike, uh, Justin at a glory hall where it's always a good taste. Right, Justin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you notice yeah. how he laughs because it's just just ch so joyful when he thinks of that taste. Yeah, well, well, the guy was just about to come. He's trying to finish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's true. Anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, Justin's recording this week live from a glory hole. Exactly. Uh, I, by, by the way, have you have you sucked the seventh cock of a seventh cock yet? Have you got there yet? <laughs> I, I wonder if that has special powers, too. <laughs> no, I, Okay, well, anyway, um, so uh, Somewhere in Time came out. I mean, I, I do like Alexander the Great. I thought that was a good song. I recently, like a year ago, found out Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner was actually a good song. I never really realized that, but yeah, it is. And uh, what's the other one I like? Deja Vu. And I like, I like uh, Wasted Years except for the vocals, but I like the music of that song. Anyway, so then uh, Seven Sun comes out, but before Seven Sun came out, I was I used to listen to the Metal Shop, Metal Shop, and they had like a little exclusive Bruce Dickinson interview, and I remember him talking about, oh, this is our concept album, and it's different from all Maiden albums, and it has a different intro. It doesn't start like your regular Maiden albums, and this is going to be really huge. He actually said that, like he thought this was going to be the biggest Iron Maiden album, you know, ever, and. Uh, the first song that I heard from this album was the world premiere video on Headbangers Ball for Can I Play With Madness. And uh, I will finish my story when we get to that song. Justin, tell us how you discovered this album. Well, I was a Maiden fan from uh, Live After Death. That was the first album I got, or the first album that a friend of mine let me borrow. <clears throat> this really weird kid, Keith Schultz in seventh grade. And boy, he let me borrow that cassette, and I just became infatuated with them. The, I mean, the the pictures and the the liner notes in that cassette—it just went on forever. Like the, the the writing was like microscopic, and it had all the tour dates and everything. And the pictures just looked—I mean, it was like the the best looking stage setup I'd seen since uh, Kiss Alive Two, you know. And the album just blew me away. So from there, I went backwards, of course, and got the first five albums. Loved every one of them. Power Slave being my favorite. So, yeah, I got uh, Somewhere in Time as soon as it came out. And uh, when this album came out, I was uh, very excited as well. I first saw the video actually on uh, Much Music, the Canadian uh, version of MTV, which we had a satellite dish, and I used to watch that, and it was... A, it was it was really cool because they would play videos like Iron Maiden in the middle of the day. <clears throat> it was much cooler 
in a lot of ways than MTV. And I, I, I loved the song, went out and got it. Hold on. You had a satellite dish? Well, big surprise, right? <laughs> on, on your fucking trailer? Are you, are you sure that wasn't like a couple of D batteries hooked to a fucking hubcap? <laughs> no. You know, now, <laughs> now I, I grew up in Virginia, but you know the state flower of West Virginia is the satellite dish, right? <laughs> um, but, no, yeah, I used to... Uh, yeah, I used to watch that show a lot in the, or that channel, and I loved the video, and I was kind of put off a little bit by some of the elements of that song that I'll talk about when we get to it. But um, yeah, I, read, I rushed out and got it, and uh, loved the album right away. But Ian, how did you discover this thing? Uh, I, I very vividly remember going to get this. Uh, you know, of course, same way we all saw the video for Can I Play With Madness came out, you know, about, you know, three weeks or so before the album. And my dad took me to go get it. I think I bought it at Sears. It's funny in this day and age thinking you could buy music at Sears, but back then you could. Uh, and it was the long box, you know, the, the, the old cardboard boxes that used to come with the CDs. And I just you, know, went, you know that I still have my 777 long box? Oh wow! With with a bunch of other ones, I saved a bunch of them. I have like lights, camera, revolution. I have a bunch of them. I, I've got some that I like. I like cut up. I just cut the front and I used to post them on my wall and stuff in my bedrooms. But uh, <laughs> what an idiot! I know, right? Uh, but I just remember looking at the artwork, man, and loving it. And as soon as my, you know, right after we bought it, I didn't even get to hear it first because my dad wanted to go to the dirty bookstore. <laughs> I used to oh wow! This, I used to go to this dirty bookstore with my dad. Was like, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No wonder you all fucked up. <laughs> I know. It was, a, it was a dirty bookstore slash coffee shop. And, and, and Where I the fuck go... did you live, Virginia? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Illinois. And I believe it's still there, Mickey's Bookstore in uh, Bradley, Illinois. But anyway, uh, I could go in there and, uh, you know, I just couldn't look at the dirty magazines. But there's like, you know, like a like a counter, you know, where you could get coffee and, and shit, you know, and then a magazine rack on the other side, you know, directly behind you. But that would also, you know, that's where I could get uh, Kerrang! and Hit Parader and Circus and all the magazines. You know, I just couldn't go all the way to the end where the poker machine was and the dirty books. But uh, I'm sitting there just looking at it. And, th and this bookstore was like filled with dirty old men. And <laughs> guys guys at the counter next to me, old guy, he's just looking at it and shaking his head. And he goes, you know, you ain't gonna listen to this shit in fucking, you know, one year you won't be listening to this crap anymore. And I was like, bullshit, you know, Iron Maiden rules and I'm gonna be listening to Iron Maiden forever and, uh, well, I'm still listening to Iron Maiden, but, uh, we're gonna find out if it's this record or not when we get into it. But at, at the time, uh, I absolutely loved can I play with madness? I was like, wow, what a catchy song. Uh, you know, and I was just excited for New Maiden. You know, and what Justin was saying, I know you hate Live After Death, but I think for us, Live After Death was a total package because not only did it have like the most amazing cover and booklet, but you had the video. And it, it's it's like, you know, I couldn't separate, you know, if I wasn't listening to it, I was watching. And it was, you know, I, I still, it's, I, I think when we did top live albums, I think I, it was number two. I, I mean, I just, it may not be the best, but I enjoy the shit out of it. And I still to this day, now I have it on fucking uh, But listen, uh, listen, but listen to that philosophy. 
It made number two on your list, but it may not be the best. Like, it's like, then why is it number two? I mean, you, you do understand that. Oh, no, the, I, no, I, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. The, the reason why you think that way is because your dad used to t- take you to fucking dirty bookstores. <laughs> You're fucked in the head. Well, and true. fucking, and, 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 and Justin, who knows what his uncle did in the, in the tool <laughs> shed in the back door. Oh, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying, when we pick those, they're our personal favorites. Now, a lot of people might think that it's not a good album, but I'm saying, to me, it's something that I enjoy and I still listen to. Very few think that's a shitty album. Um, um, me, most people, I, when I bump into some guy on, 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 on the internet saying, Dude, Live After Death is fucking terrible. I'm like, holy shit, there's somebody out there that like me. Uh, I, I saw a few people on the page agree with you about that. You yeah, know? but no, but as a whole, dude, let's make a poll. I'm not 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 that type of poll, Justin. <laughs> and, and we're gonna we're gonna you'll see, dude. It'll be like maybe 80 20, and I'm being generous uh, in favor of that album. And I honestly believe that album is. Is really like people are looking with their eyes, not their ears, because that is an amazing, my second favorite album cover from Iron Maiden. I love that album cover. That album cover is fucking God. Right. You know? It is better than anything but Killers, in my opinion. You know? But, but, uh, but yeah, we're, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Seventh Son, and this is an album that, oh my God, uh, People just worship this thing. I would say, like, if you would compare it to Kiss, though, uh, I would say this is like their destroyer. Because people either think it's the best thing they ever did, or people think they strayed too far and missed the mark. But, I mean, this has a fucking cult following and a half. Big time. Now. Now. But I'll talk about how it was back then. Back then, it was not this cult album. It actually was uh, what killed them. And, and I'll explain why. I know some of you are saying, what do you mean? It sold well. They were still playing arenas. Let me explain, fuckwad. But for now, well, who's going to take track one? Uh, Justin, you're our not-so-special guest. Why don't you take the now, first he track? He is special, man. Remember how I used to go to school in that little bus? <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> my, parents, my parents say that I'm special. So you... I, so I am. <clears throat> now this... Moonchild, I love Moonchild. I think it opens great. I, I, um, I know that in the original demo, the opening, well, it's got that you know Seven Deadly Sins acoustic part, which um, <clears throat> might have been left over from Bruce's Somewhere in Time, <clears throat> like uh, songs that didn't make it on the album because they were too different. But then when that keyboard comes in, that was originally in Adrian's demo supposed to be a guitar, like a delay. On a guitar, sort of like um, like Secrets by Van Halen, but for whatever reason they did it on a keyboard, and you know that's the first sign that like oh man what is this what's this keyboard bullshit, um, but then it kicks in and I think it's a fantastic song I fucking love it, great structure great solos it builds really well, and um, the the first thing you notice is. Even though at the time I, I wasn't like keen on, you know, what kind of amplifiers or whatever, who was, whoever was using. But, you know, Adrian said on this album they used a, a totally different kind of amp. They, they, you know, it wasn't your normal Marshall amp. It was a Galleon Kruger amp. So the, and, and Adrian described the sound as, as kind of an illusion, these amps. 
But I think it sounds fucking great, and the song is great. Bruce sings great, and I, I really like this as an opener. Ian? Uh, well, yeah, it, it, it is very different. Uh, you know, when it starts out with just Bruce singing, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Jethro Toll Maiden uh, kind of thing. And then you hear, you know, like you said, you hear the keyboards coming in, and the production is really like, you know, people thought somewhere in time was kind of glossy and you know guitar said this one's even more pristine probably the most glossy production i think they've ever had still um but i i do like this song uh you know this one was written by adrian smith and, and bruce and th this is definitely an adrian album you know and, and he would go on to leave after this because he wanted to stay in this direction uh that this album took where Steve wanted to go back to the, you know, harder, more simplistic stuff. Because I, I think there was, and, and I'm sure Ralph will get into it, uh, you know, a backlash. You know, for as much praise as it got, there was a backlash. But uh, as far as the song, Moonchild, it, it, it's, it's a good opener. I mean, it kind of sums up, you know, the album. If you don't like this song, you're probably not going to like the, <laughs> the rest of the album. But uh, I, I dig Moonchild. Uh, they played this live. In fact, this did open the tour. And on this tour, they played all but two songs. I mean, there's only eight, but they played all but two. And one they played after this tour, but uh, the other one I think was never played. But uh, Moonchild, yeah, good song. Uh, not not as good as what's come before from Maiden, but uh, as far as this album, it's, it's a good track. What do you think, Ralph? That's interesting. I had no idea one of the two songs they didn't play live. They brought they they played live later, huh? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I'd like to know what song that was because one of the two songs they didn't play live is my third favorite track on the album. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. But this one's my first favorite track. Moonchild is the best song on the album for me. Uh, intros different than all the other bombastic build-up intros that Iron Maiden's known for, with the exception of Prowler. Um, <clears throat> But I like it. I like the little intro, the little acoustic thing, thing, and even that little keyboardy thing, which I really don't think keyboards and Iron Maiden mix well, but it does on this song. And I think this song has, I don't know, it's just, it's like a puzzle piece that all the pieces fit. And I can't say that for the rest of this album. Where the exception, you know, my second favorite song, I think it's a really good tune as well. But the third one is not that great. You know, that shows you how how downhill this album gets for me, you know, because um, I don't know, but I think Moonchild is a great fucking song. I saw this tour. Who was it that opened this one? Um, was it, uh, did you get to see Vinnie Vincent? Or no, it, was, it wasn't Vinnie Vincent. Uh, uh, I saw Vinnie Vincent open for Alice Cooper on that tour. It wasn't Ace Fraley, it was supposed to be. You know who I thought it was? Dogs Lamore or some bullshit like that? Some real horrible, obscure band. You remember a band called Dogs Lamore or something? Oh, oh yeah, I, I've heard of them. Well, opening bands uh, for this tour, I'm going to read you through a list. Okay. Now, some, some of these that, that they're saying open are from the Donington. Uh, so it's not really openers, but David Lee Roth, Anthrax, Megadeth, Guns N' Roses, Wasp, Halloween, Killer Dwarfs, uh... Osasin, Trust, Great White, L.A. Guns, Backstreet Girls, Fraley's Comet, and Sabotage. But, 
Backstreet Girls? Backstreet Girls. They you replaced know, uh, they replaced Halloween. I didn't yeah. ever even heard it. But it could have been that Oz, whatever. What was the thing he said? Oh, uh, it's uh, O-S-S-I-N, Osasin. Okay, know. it could have been that band. I don't know. Uh, I know some obscure band that I walked in, watched like about a uh, minute of it, and I go, oh my God, I need beer. You know, and, I, and then I went out and got drunk. And, I mean, I, there was a ritual back then. We used to go to the Hollywood Sportatorium, which was a godly place, where in the dirt, uh, Motley Crue uh, called the place the Hollywood Snortatorium because it was uh, there was always a lot of blow at that place, you know, for the Florida and sure that. But, um, uh, what do you call, uh, it was a ritual to go there and drink Jack Daniels out in the parking lot. Like, we used to get there early, so we had enough time to kill a bottle. It was a ritual. And we'd walk in shit-faced and then buy beer in there, you know? And, and and we were underage, too, on top of that. I mean, by that time, I was 18, and the drinking age was 18. But before that, I was buying beer in there. They didn't go to fuck. Anyway, so, um, this was a good show. Now, they did not play Still Life at this show, which they did on the Made in England old video. Which was kind of a drag, because that's one of my favorite Bruce Dickinson Maiden songs. I've never seen them play Still Life, and I even saw the Peace of Mind tour. And that wasn't on the set list either. So I, I was a little bummed about that. <clears throat> and uh, I can't remember now the set list to this show. You know, uh, well, I, I can tell you, uh, you want me to run through the set list? I mean, I, I know for sure... All the songs were played except those two. There's two songs on the sound that were not played that night. Right. But yeah, well, I, I, I don't remember the rest of the set. List. I, I've got right here. This was the standard okay. uh, set list, and then I'm going to read you the alternate songs. Uh, set list was Moonchild, Evil That Men Do, Prisoner, Infinite Dreams, The Trooper, Can I Play With Madness, Heaven Can Wait, Wasted Years, The Clairvoyant, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, Number of the Beast. Hallowed Be Thy Name, Iron Maiden, Run to the Hills, Running Free, and Sanctuary. Yeah, that now, was probably the, the show I saw, probably. Now, now uh, it also says that Wrathchild, 22 Acacia Avenue, and 2 Minutes to Midnight were played at select venues. And it said Still Life, Die With Your Boots, and Killers were played on the UK leg of the tour. Ah, see? Yeah, see, that's why I knew. You know, I, yeah, I don't, I've never seen them play Killers ever. And what was the other one? Uh, oh, Die With Their Boots, I've seen them play on the Peace yeah. of Mind tour. But, uh, yeah, I do remember this this show. I mean, as far as the songs from Sun and Sun, I remember. I remember Infinite Dreams and shit like that. And uh, But, yeah, Moonchild opened it. And uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 I thought this album was a little more stripped down visually, even the album cover. And the live show was pretty much what you saw in that. Uh, made in England, you know, with the with the ice caps everywhere and shit right. like that. But <clears throat> it wasn't really. Uh, I don't know. But but Moonshot. Uh, bottom line, I love this song. I I think it's one of the best Maiden songs ever. I mean, that's how much I love it. Uh, too bad I can't say the rest for the rest of the album. But uh, I'll take the next one, which is Infinite Dreams. Boy, this album really is like now. And I used to hang out. With Thrash Die in the early days, when we first started the band, our neighbors was a black thrash band. Um, it was like black metal thrash. Their favorite album was Seventh Son, and all of them. It's like they all followed each other. I don't know. They 
Those guys were like fucking, they all had one brain. And their all-time favorite Iron Maiden song was this one, Infinite Dreams. <clears throat> Me, I think the song is boring as all fuck. Uh, so well respected. Ooh, it's them doing something different. Fuck you. Prodigal Son is them doing something different. This is no different than Revelations or Children of the sea, uh, Grave. But, I mean, not great. Damn. Uh, you know... Fuck this song, Prodigal Son. And, you know, and another thing. Um, Bruce said on the... Uh, behind the Iron Curtain video, when some guy comes up to him and goes, I want to play synthesizer in my band. <laughs> and Bruce says, you can't play synthesizers with heavy metal. It won't work. Well, he was right. It doesn't work. It's fucking terrible. And this song, it, it really does baffle the mind how Bruce Dickinson says this right before they make Somewhere in Time, where they already bring synthesizer guitars. And now this one, Infinite Dreams, it's like it has these really... Horrible key is a keyboard synthesizer. I can't even tell it, but it's just terrible. And uh, fuck this song, Prodigal Song. <laughs> but you know, I'm sure either you or Justin love it, or both of you probably love this song. I don't get it myself. I just think it's boring and and sucky. And now it has this, uh, you know, this mad respect. But back then, everybody hated this shit. It really was like a downer, this song, to the metalheads back in the day that were old enough to get fucked up and go to shows. I like you two. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I actually love this song. And uh, it's it's kind of froggy. I like during the verses, there's these like jazzy, bluesy licks going on underneath. <clears throat> and it goes into the chorus. And... Um, I like the way it builds. It, it keeps getting higher and higher and going further and further. And I I think this is a song that <clears throat> some producer, when Maiden makes their next album, needs to play it for them and say, you know what? You can say a lot in six minutes. You know, you can say twice as much in six minutes in this song as you do in a fucking 12-minute song like they currently do. I just think it keeps building great, and I I love that 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 part where it's like, you know, help me, help me to see my true self. It, it just great solos in six yeah. minutes in and out. I mean, six minutes that's that's like a fucking short song for them these days, you know. Can you and that part but the, again, <laughs> I know. I, Come on, you, I actually I. Actually, I can. I'm a pretty good singer, but yeah, I gotta really, okay, I, I gotta really belt it out, you know. You but I'm just. Can you I'm, belt that one out? Come on. Help me, help me to see my true self without seeing the future. How's how's that? That was actually not that bad. I like. Okay. I, like I liked it better the first time you did it because that shit was horrible and funny. <laughs> okay. You you sing like <laughs> Yannick Gears dances. <laughs> yeah. Can you do that again like the first time? <laughs> Can you do it like the first time? Oh, oh, do that. Come on. Help me. No, come on. Do it like how you put it. Uh, come on, man. No, I really, I really come fucking Come on, people like... love comedy on the show. Do it again. Help me. Help me to see my true self without seeing the future. <laughs> that was awesome. 
Alright, continue. Continue no, lathering the ass of this shitty I mean, song. I mean, it's six minutes, so it seems long. It's kind of a weird song to have as the second song, because it's such a mellow tune. But, um, excuse me. I, 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 I do, I do like this song very much. And, and, it, and, and I liked it. I even liked it the second time they did it when it was called No Prayer for the Dying. Oh, I like that one more. Yeah, I, actually, I do too. But, really? Oh, but wow. The, no, I, well, I fucking, I love No Prayer for the Dying. You, that, there, you know, we should have had him on the show. Uh, no, actually, no. Now that I think about it, Ian was on my side on that show. Yeah. Remember, that was like the infamous show with Terrence and, and uh, Josh. Josh. Yeah, uh, two two fan. Well, you know, Terrence was more of a fan of Josh back then than the album. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, not a lot. You know, that's one thing. And that Black Thrash band I was talking about, they hated um, uh, No Prayer for Dying. I was like, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of that album, but I thought it was way better than Somewhere in Time and Seven Sun because they did strip it down. You know? Yeah. And, and here's my impression of Josh on that episode. Assassin. It has ass in it. Uh, that's all I can say. It has ass in a sausage. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't understand a fucking word he said. I needed a translator. <laughs> well, I listened to a lot of Oasis interviews, so I, I was I was nice and prepped for his ass. Uh, a sausage. It has ass in it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Justin, you got any more to add, or are you done with uh, Infinite Dreams? No, I'm done with it. Other than, can I say something about this, the the, the uh, Made in England tour? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, go uh, ahead. I'm just. But, but you can so, sing it. Well, I, yeah. Can you I, do it? Can you do it while singing it? Can you say it like? Can you sing what you were about to say? Like in that well, monotone voice? Yeah. No, the the Made in England tour really, it was fucking awesome. Can I say, that tour in uh, 2012 was like. You know, it was all based around this tour, right? The same stage setup and everything. And we, my friend Jason and I, saw the very first show of that tour. It was in Charlotte. And so, you know, unlike, you know, today with the internet, you know what the set list is going to be, right? But we, it was the first show, so we didn't know. So we were excited. We were like, oh, awesome. So we assumed they might do this song, which they didn't. And, and we thought... They were gonna do still life, which would have been fucking awesome. But where still life came in, you know what they did instead, and it fucking pissed me off because it's like the one of my least favorite Maiden songs. They did fucking Infinite afraid Dream. to shoot. No, they did afraid to shoot strangers. Ugh. Oh, which wow. was which was like, okay, the theme of the tour is is Seventh Son. That song wasn't even out yet. You know. Oh, yeah, I know. So I, I fucked up with that shit. I fucking hated that so i immediately went for a beer and when they did that i was so pissed off i but, had the same situation justin uh book of souls tour was the first show and i didn't know the set list but unlike you i was terrified i was like <laughs> oh man i wish i knew the set list you know yeah but anyway go ahead but that's it no that's all i got ian what you got all right uh this was the fourth and final single from the album and made it to number six on the UK charts. All the singles off this album uh, were top ten in, in, in the UK. Not here. But uh, I think the song is beautiful. As a matter of fact, it is my favorite song on the album. 
Uh, I think I think it's perfect. Uh, but I remember, and I still laugh every time I hear it because uh, you know I, I can't sing as well as, as Justin. But uh, I always thought he was saying, uh, oh, "What the fuck was it?" Uh, chasing a caribou. And I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about hunting caribou?" But he's saying I cannot move. <laughs> but it sounds like caribou. Listen to it. But uh, yeah, he, he cannot sing either. Yeah. Yeah, come on, get me, you oh. Bruce Dick in Uh No, I, I love this song. Seriously. Favorite <laughs> favorite song on the fucking album, man. Wow. Uh, Wowzers. Yeah, yeah, I just, uh, you know, and, and I do agree on the similarities with uh, No Prayer, and uh, I love that song as well. I mean, I just, I like the structure of it. I actually like No Prayer. I do like that song. Yeah. Um, and, I, think I, mean, I think it's them doing Infinite Dreams right. Yeah, well, I, I like both versions, and uh, so it, yeah. But you also <laughs> like guys and girls, you know. Yeah, well, you know, variety, spice of life. Uh, no, favorite song on the album, and I wish there was more like this, but uh, unfortunately for me, there isn't. Uh, and I'll take the next track, which was the first single. Can, yeah, I, can I? Can I just go off left field for a second? Go ahead. You know how you said variety is the spice of life? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to do something because we are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast and I'm going to go totally left field now. And I'm going to go, we're going to see, we're going to flip the coin and see which one of us knows the name of all the Spice Girls. Uh, Who who wants to go first? I will. Alright, go ahead. Uh, Ginger. Uh Uh-huh. Scary. Uh Uh-huh. Sporty. Uh Uh-huh. Posh. Uh Uh-huh. And baby. Oh shit! <laughs> yep, it is right. It, I was right. Ian likes guys and girls. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Justin knows because he was a Spice Girl. <laughs> yeah, but Justin got to be beat. He knows everybody in Menudo. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm in a I'm in a Menudo uh, trivia can actually. Hey man, you know what? That fucking song "Cannonball Rules" by Menudo. <laughs> I, I, I think it's the best song on the Cannonball 2 soundtrack. It fucking, it, that song fucking rules. You know, Justin was kicked out of Spice Girls right before they made the first album. His name, All Input, all input Spice. <laughs> yep, that's right. No holes barred. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Take Can I Play With Madness Ian? All right. Uh, yeah, everybody's introduction to the album. Uh, I used to love this fucking song. I, re- I really did, but uh, man, and listen to the album today, getting ready for the review. Uh, there's just something too fucking happy about it. I don't know, too too happy for Maiden for my taste, uh, too poppy. But uh, it, it was a hit. Went to number three. <coughs> Excuse me, number three in the UK, and uh, it started out as a ballad actually that Adrian Smith wrote called "On the Wings of Eagles." But uh, somewhere it got lost in translation and became the uh, happy toe tapper that it is now. But I, I do remember this getting a lot of play on MTV, on Headbangers Ball. And like I said, I used to love it, but I had to kill it. Not so much a fan these days. What do you think, Justin? I still love this song. I love it when they play it live. And uh, it's catchy. It's to the point. It's a song that they're totally incapable of making now. Uh, you know, a song that's like 
four minutes or less that 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 is catchy. Um, the the middle part, Adrian hated it. That that was all Bruce. That was all uh, Steve's idea. That where it slows down to that like da na 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 na, and where Bruce goes, "Oh, listen to me," said the prophet. And but I like the way it builds back up, and it's the solo has. I don't know. There's like a guitar synth doubling it, and it makes it sound kind of, kind of gay to me. But I love the way it kicks back into the chorus, and it's catchy. It's great. And in fact, um, my buddy Jason, who just moved to Norway, when he he lived he's when he still lived here near me in North Carolina, he um, I would go over to his house, and every time I would knock on his door. He has a, a son named Noah, and I would say, "Hey, um, can I play with Noah?" And he would say, "I don't know. Can I play with Madness?" And it was just like this ongoing joke with us that, you know, because the title of the song is so silly. But, um, you know, we kind of talk about this at some point. We have to. We need to talk about this as a concept album and how it works. And oh, I think. Oh, we need to talk about you playing with Noah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> nah, come on, come on. No. Justin may be no, gay, but he's no Lee Gertzman. I, no, I, I, am, I ain't Dave Hollander. Nothing. All right. Or but he, Smith. He, well, um, <laughs> um, but it was like, it's a catchy tune. It's great. I, I really enjoy it to this day. And, um, uh, what were I talking about? Um, talking no, I, I, the concept of the album. Yeah, the concept of the album is a total failure. I don't even know the concept of failure. Well, they totally fail because... All right, let's talk about our great concept albums. Let's start with King Diamond Them. All right? And, and Conspiracy. You've got characters. You you can see in your head what's going on. From the moment that them starts off, you know what's happening. You've got this mom with these two little kids and grandma's out of the asylum and she's coming back and and from there it totally unfolds and it's you can visualize the story. You could make a movie out of that. This album this song, okay, there's a character, the prophet, but the rest of the album is so just like, um, just general, like, you can't visualize it. All it is, and Bruce even said it, it's like, okay, at the end of the day, it was an Iron Maiden album about good versus evil. Isn't that every Iron Maiden album? You know, there's no concrete story being told here that you could make a movie out of well you got the, you know you got the blaze albums that were about iron maiden against the fans <laughs> yeah well that's true and you know and, and look and bruce says isn't every iron maiden now about good versus evil no every iron maiden up to power say was evil is good <laughs> exactly thank you but yeah, I, I think this album fails miserably as a concept album. But it's such a loose 
concept that you almost don't even think about it. I don't. Just... I, I can't. I can't. Listen to this album. I really can't see how it's a fucking how it's a fucking concept. Well, that's that. That's what I mean. It's like yeah, you just it fail, you yeah. just you just listen to it as a as a collection of songs. It's I, like I listen to it because I'm a masochist and I like being tortured. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's like no, there's no characters other than the prophet in this song. Like, think about them. You know, there's Grandma, there's Missy, there's Mother, there's King, there's Doctor Landau, and you know, you can visualize what's going on in in those albums. I mean, fucking Quadrophenia is is genius. You can visualize what Jimmy's going through every step of the way. It, but this is just very general and vague, and like you could not make a movie out of this album. Yeah, this is like the Elder. <laughs> like, what's that fucking story? Well, I, actually, I think the Elder's got more going on. Well, than no, this, the Elder, I understand though. I mean, there's a the Odyssey part was like, wait, wait, wait a second. Now the Elder's up in outer space or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the part that threw me off. But the rest, I understand. No, he's on Broadway. Oh, but boy. but but that aside, I I do like what, what fucking song were we talking about? Can I play with madness? Yeah. No, I do love this song. I do I I enjoy it, and I love the video on Much Music when I would when I would catch it, and um, yeah, I dig it. Ralph, All right. Um, the first time I saw this was uh, the video. Uh, it's the first song I heard off the album. Now, I was expecting Iron Maiden to come back like, okay. Uh, and I heard that Bruce Dickinson interview, which I talked about earlier, and I'm thinking, all right, I, I have a feeling this is going to be cool because it's going to be a concept album, and uh, Maiden's got their shit together. And, I mean, Somewhere in Time did not hurt them at all. In fact, it was a big success, and it kept the momentum going. Even back then, I mean, I knew a few people that thought, that thought like I did, but for a whole, most fans back then were content with Somewhere in Time. This song destroyed it with most people I know. Because most people I know, everybody I knew, I didn't know one person back then that liked Can I Play With Madness. Not one. We all were in horror. Kind of like, it was like the first time we heard Why Can't This Be Love by Van Hagar. We were like, holy fuck, what the fuck happened, you know? So this, this, this was how I got it when I first saw this video. And, um, you know, Bruce Dickinson saying, oh, this is going to be a big, huge success. When I saw this video, I was like, there's no fucking way this is going to be huge. In fact, this album was the first step to the downward spiral. It did sell well. They did still play arenas on this tour, and they did great. But that was because of their past success. Like, like Van Hagar. Come on, you think Van Hagar really would have succeeded if 5150 was their first album? Before, if there was no Van Halen before that, right. I'm sorry, it would have done as good as. I mean, being generous, it may have done as good as VOA. It probably would have gone gold, but uh, OU812 would have sunk it, just like uh, whatever, whatever the fuck Sammy released next. You know, was, was uh, it would have went that far. But um, I think after this, it sunk. It sunk them because no prayer for the dying. That tour, they canceled it. I mean, I, I had tickets to see it in the Miami Arena. They, they canceled it because of lack of ticket sales. 
Oh yeah, they used the excuse that something I forgot like Bruce got hurt or some shit or couldn't I don't know. They they used an excuse, but the fact is they never rescheduled it and they stopped the tour. And they may have continued in Europe because Europe never gave up on England, uh, on Maiden because even with Blaze they were still playing big halls. But you also have to remember the timeline here. Maiden releasing this shit and Metallica was already gaining speed. This was like after, uh, was it? This was after Master of Puppets. Yes. And already Metallica was already building up, where everybody that was he- like heavily into uh, Maiden and Priest uh, were now uh, Metallica. I remember also, even though I didn't see the tour with Metallica and Ozzy, because by the time I got here it was Queensryche. I remember reading and even seeing a little uh, MTV uh, uh, news report on Metallica, how fans were in the parking lot saying, fuck Ozzy, you know? Already Ozzy was like losing, everybody was into Metallica. Gotta remember at that time, Ozzy was really glittery. That's when I called the glossy era, you know, where he just became so soft, but so did everybody else. Uh, You know, um, Turbo Lover. Uh, somewhere in time, everybody was changing their sound to a more safer, keyboardy uh, thing. Where you got to remember, before this, they were hungry, pissed, and heavy. Then all of a sudden, comes out a band that's even more pissed, even more heavy, and they're not playing. They're not wearing these fucking crackerjack clothes, as Manowar would say. Because even you know, Maiden at their heaviest, they were wearing funky shit. And you know, not priest. Priest didn't. Priest didn't start wearing fucking shit till, till Turbo. But you know, looking at that was the that was a big problem. What happened was at this time, somewhere in time, Metallica already started to take the reins. They had a problem on the next tour and album. They canceled the Miami Arena show because of lack of ticket sales. Now people look back at this this album like it's a great album. Many think it's their best. But everyone I knew back then hated it, like me. Can I play with Madness? Well, yeah, it's, it is. It's like playing with your fucking career by releasing this as the first single. This fucking happy-go-shitty song as the first single, it really did hurt them back then. They still did well because of past success and people still... I'm telling you now, man, everybody you talk to that points at... Seventh Son of a Seventh Son is the best Iron Maiden album are people that were not there. They weren't there. Or if they were, they were so young they didn't know better. Like, just... Well, I I think, too, like, 88, uh, you know, is a real confusing time for metal, too, because uh, as a genre, it was either getting way heavier or way lighter, and there really wasn't a lot of... You know, I, I think traditional metal suffered the most, you know, because you're getting thrashes on the rise. You know, you know, the big four are, are starting to, you know, make their mark. But the, the real chart topping around this time, this is the Bon Jovi era, you know. And, and I think, you know, you, you look, look at Dio and, and, and Sabbath and, and Priest at this time and Ozzy. All of them suffered in the late 80s. You know, uh, not only musically, but I mean, ticket-wise, sale-wise, you know. Uh, I really do think it's because of change of style. I think if they would have remained true, they probably wouldn't have gotten more popular, but they would have been 
on a steady level. Right. They, they, they well, I, I think they would have kept, you know, the heavy fans. You, you know, but, uh, you, you know, the girls were all going to the fucking cock rock. You, you know, but they would have kept, you know, the people who liked the thrash still would have enjoyed it if they would have stayed true. I think you're absolutely right on that. Yeah, I think it would have kept the steady. Yeah, it probably would have lost some girls. Yeah, fine, that's true. But, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I, I didn't get to see the uh, the No Prayer Tour because I didn't even know about it. I, I mean, the, the show, I, I saw they did play a show in Chicago, and if I would have known about it, me and my friend would have been there. I mean, we were going to shows already, but we had no idea that, I mean, the show just came and went. There was no advertisement. You know, this is before the internet and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I didn't even know about a No Prayer Tour, so I didn't see Maiden until the uh, Fear of the Dark and that was so poorly attended. I've never seen a major show uh, with that week of, uh, of sales and attendance. And I'm telling you, Seven Sons will kick that off. Uh, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. But yeah, at the Fear of the Dark, and I think I talked about this, I saw them at Alpine Valley, which is a big outdoor amp. It's like uh, uh, like where we used to go in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, you know, where Ozfest always played. Yeah. But it, it, it's way bigger than that. But me and my friends, we had lawn seats. And the attendance was so poor, they made, if you had a lawn seat, go into the pavilion. And only the center of the pavilion, you know how you get, you know, you got the three sections, the middle and the two sides? Yeah. They had everybody in the middle, no matter what ticket you had. That's how poor the Fear of the Dark Tour was here in the U.S. Yeah, and, and here it played Sunrise Musical Theater, which is... I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's small. It's not like, you know, club level or even theater level. It's a little big. Let's say, let's say two theaters. It, I'd say it would hold roughly about, uh, I'm being generous, maybe 4,000 or five. And it wasn't, dude, upstairs was empty. It was empty. And this is a band that was packing arenas just two, two tours prior to this. You know? uh, and I'm telling you, it started with this. And, 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 and the thing is, when you were saying, oh, Steve Harris wanted to go a little more heavier and Adrian's uh, Steve Harris was like, dude, seriously, uh, we lost a lot of people in America. Yeah, we're still doing good in Europe, but let's get back to the heavy stuff because that's what the Americans want. But it was too late. And plus, you, Iron Maiden did something they shouldn't have done. Uh, release Holy Smoke, which I don't mind the song. I don't think it's a bad song, but it's a funny song. And Iron Maiden is not meant to be funny. Right. Uh, and that turned a lot of people off too. And you know, in that No Prayer tour, it had Anthrax opening and at that time, Anthrax, I mean, they weren't like huge, but you know what happened on that on that tour was Anthrax ended up playing the Button South, which is a small club, uh, when Iron Maiden canceled. They still came here and played like it was like unannounced. And that shit was sold out. I mean it was beyond packed. And wow. um because Anthrax was, you know, pretty big back then. I mean, they weren't arena level big, but they were pretty big. They, they were doing well. Right. And for them not to help sell tickets to that thing, you know, you know, Maiden was starting to really, really hurt. And I think it was from the backlash of Seven Sun and the rise of Thrash. Yeah. And and the Pretty Boy shit, because there's nobody in Iron Maiden that looked like Bon Jovi and shit, you know? Right. Now, uh, Justin, did you see him around this time, or like where you live? It's no. mainly like Mel Tennis and shit like that. You don't get like a lot of rock concerts. No, I didn't, I didn't see him on this tour at all. They didn't come anywhere near us. But 
also remember Guns N' Roses opened for him on this tour. That's true, yeah. And and uh, Axel, I can I can remember seeing an interview with Axel saying uh, the the interviewer asked him something like, "Wow, do you do you aspire to be something? You know, like Guns N' Roses, like Iron Maiden?" And he said, "God, I hope not." Yeah, I, that's a Donington interview. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, I mean, they're nice guys and all, but you know, no, I, we don't want to be like them. Axel, Axel has gone on record saying he's a big Diano era Maiden fan. Really? Yeah. He did, yeah, he did say that, and he liked. Uh, but you know, they asked him, "What do you like more, Priest or Maiden?" He, he said Priest. But then he, he ended up going. But I really loved that first time Maiden. You know, he was really, really into that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that. that but you got to remember too. At that time, Guns N' Roses were becoming big. They still weren't an arena band. They were they were causing a buzz, but it still. I mean, uh, Seven Sun didn't do bad. It really. I mean, I saw it down here. It was I guess that Oslo band, whatever the fuck. I thought it was Dogs Lamore, whatever the fuck. But and it still was a packed fucking house. I mean, because of past success. But I think that's what killed it. You know. That's pretty much what killed it. And it was the beginning of them fucking playing most of the album live, you know? I mean, I, I would have, you know, I would have appreciated a little more classic. So I well, did enjoy the show, but, you know. I, I mean, if you really look at the set list, and I didn't get this until later, I actually started paying attention. If you look at the set list for Maiden Tours, they've always, always, uh, maybe it really started with the Power Slave, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the album they always play when it's a new one. They've always been like that, and I respect that in a way because hey, they're promoting what they just did. But unfortunately, you know, the newer shit don't compete with the old shit, and and especially nowadays you see them, the new shit's so long it eats up so much, you know, of the set list. Yeah, yep. but you know, I mean, and, and but then again, you know, you have to also bring up that Seven Sun was a huge success overseas. You know, it, it just hurt them in America. Yeah, and, and very critically acclaimed too. But yeah, you're absolutely right about America, and then that started, you know, their hatred with America because we we're the only place they ever lost footing in. You know. Yeah, and that's when they start they stopped playing Flat Acres, and uh, Steve said it. The reason we don't play Flat Acres. Because it was our biggest hit in America, so fuck them. He said that. I heard him say that. It's funny how these fuckers say Ann and Bruce. Say all this anti-American shit, yeah, nobody fucking points at them. Oh, I've always noticed yeah. that. I always see it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's straight up butthurt, you know, because... I mean, that, that's that got to be insulting, though. You know, in, in a way, like... I, I mean, whether whatever you think about the new music, you know, but everywhere else, they never missed a beat. Except yeah. here. But, I mean, let's be honest. America is where everybody wants to make it's it. It's the biggest market there is. You know? Right. That's yep. where all the money's at. I mean, America, America is just like a collection of big cities with big arenas to go and play night after night. And it's easy and it's it's where you want to make it. You know, and, and, and well, you know, and if they were still selling out like... They, they used to in America, you know, they'd love it. And they loved it when they were, you know, when they're doing five nights at Radio City, you know, and five nights at the Forum, you know, they were loving it. Yeah, they didn't mind playing Flight Acres then. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, you know Steve, th this album is is a very European album. Yes, yes. And 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 the next the next song that we're going to get into, to me, is is a very European metal song. And, and I mean, it's like where this power metal came from with these European bands like Hammerfall and, you know, it, but look, you, if Americans don't like it, don't blame us. Blame yourself. You know, fuck you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what the fuck? I mean, at 80 in 88, what, what were we all, you know, jazzed about? We were on. We were jazzed about fucking Slayer and Metallica and Megadeth. <laughs> yep. You know, if you if you can't rise to the occasion, if you're not giving us something that we want, you had had a very successful run in this country. And if you can't maintain it, then go, then fuck off, you know? Yeah, but I mean, America, you know, by and large is like you, by and large. Uh... You know, very fickle though. You know what's what's hot one moment. You know, you got you get your fifteen minutes in America. Very few bands, you know, survive and maintain uh, that success level. You, you know, very very rare here. You know, because it's it's always on to the next thing. Where I, I think throughout Europe and other countries, there's a lot more loyalty. When they love a band, man, they'll always show up. Here, you 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 fuck up once and and, and we're gone. Yeah. He's yeah. right. He is right. America does have that. America's always been shitty, though, in a way. I mean, even even back when metal was, you know, killing killing it in arena shit, there still was. You got to remember that the even at the height of metal, the media always hated metal. Always. Like, remember, Motley Crue couldn't be, couldn't have been huger when they were on uh, Rolling Stone magazine's uh, cover. And I forgot what it said, but it was really a dig at them. Rush, you know, as huge as they are now, like they've proven themselves. And what did they, they put them on Rolling Stone magazine, call them nerds or something, king of the nerds or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And oh. uh, but it's just never been respected. And and the the whole time metal was at its height, the media was sharpening their knives, ready to plunge. You know? But here's something funny. I called a local radio station. I'll never forget this. It's probably like, uh, I guess it had to be 86, 87. I requested Ragdoll by Aerosmith. I hate the song now, but, I, you know, I liked Permanent Vacation when it came out. And they're like, no, we don't play metal. You know, it's yeah. like, that, that's not even metal. <laughs> you know, that's just rock and roll, but that just shows you how radio is here, you know, and versus Europe. I mean, every single off this album was top ten in, in England. You know that, that you couldn't imagine that these days. You know, in America, a hard rock band going top ten. Even back in the '80s, it was very rare. It wasn't to the power ballad era that you saw hard rock in the top ten on, on Billboard. You know. Yep. There. You know. It's there, with the exception of "Come On, Feel the Noise." You know. Right. I mean, I, I think maybe "Photograph" was the top ten. Maybe I don't know. Might have been. I mean, and those were anomaly records too. You know. Right. But, uh, you know, and also MTV didn't hurt that either, you know. But, Justin, you, since you started with uh, uh, the next song, go go keep, keep keep talking about it. The Evil That Men Do. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's got this um, intro that is very grand. 
and I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I use the word European to describe it. Like this is, this is not something that you would have heard on Power Slave or before. You know that, <clears throat> that intro. It's slow and melodic. I fucking love this song, and I think, hey man, we haven't even talked about Adrian Smith. I mean, he's my guy. You know, he. he I mean, like. If I if I met Adrian Smith in person, I'm afraid. I'm really afraid that I would that offer. That'll get you in the eye. It, it, I, I'm afraid that I would offer to suck his dick, because I I fucking love Adrian Smith. Come on. And yeah, yeah. Well, hey man, what can I say? That's I, why I almost I, hope I, that I love I, Robin Zander, but I don't want to gargle his fucking children. Well, you know I. This is a good song, and it's got a, a great solo by Adrian. But it something about it is very European-sounding. And by it's, that, it means girls won't like it. <laughs> well, I don't know, but... Um, by the way, have you ever noticed when you watch, like, festivals, like Walk-In or, or whatever in Europe, there's always these hot girls in the audience... But yet, like when we go to metal shows here, it's the total sausage fest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that... chicks in Europe are a little more, um, you know, uh, true to the metal cause. But boy, the South American chicks, those chicks are more metal than most guys I know. Latin girls from those countries are fucking metal as fuck. I know it, it, it pisses me off. It's like I go to a fucking metal show, like you know, I went to see Slayer a couple months ago. Well, I, it like you know, I go to I went to see Slayer a couple months ago, and it was like a total sausage fest, right? And my ex-wife, I I used to she was she was cool. She would go to maiden shows with me, and but that that's all it is. It's like if there's a girl at a metal show in America, it's because she's there with her boyfriend. And if she's not with her boyfriend, you'd rather do one of the guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. But I do like this song very much. It's um, like the structure of it. Uh, but you know, again, it, it's a it's a very uh, Euro type song. Uh, I love it. I love Adrian Solo, as I said. He's my he's my favorite metal guitar player ever. What can I say? But wow, he, you, you like him more than Slash. Well, he's not European. <laughs> you might you like him more than the guitar player of Dogs Lamore? <laughs> I don't even know who the fuck that is. But uh <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, Adrian Adrian's my guy, man. I fucking love him. But and I do like this song a lot. It's not my favorite on the album, but it's a good song. Ian, what do you think? Hey, why am I last on this fucking episode? Everybody leaves me now. Go ahead, Ian. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think this is classic Maiden sounding. Uh, again, it's not my favorite on it, but uh, I think if more stuff sounded like this, uh, it, it would have kept. It would have been a more solid Iron Maiden album. But they they veered too much. But to me, this is this is Maiden doing Maiden, even though you know the glossy production and everything. But uh, it, it is a good song, definitely. Uh, now this is. One of the two that was not played on the tour. 
Or no, 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 no. No, no, yeah, no, they played this one. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm looking at it wrong. Yeah, no, they did play this. Never mind. <laughs> uh, I, I dig it. Not my favorite, but uh, at least it sounds like Iron Maiden to me. What do you think, Ralph? Classic sounding Iron Maiden. Did I hear you right? Yeah. What? What do you think? Uh, classic sounding Iron Maiden is stuff that started with Somewhere in Time. I mean, what the fuck sounds like this before that? This happy-go-lucky fucking bland guitar harmony bullshit that starts the song. It's something that started with Somewhere in Time. It was not. not you couldn't hear this shit on any album prior to Somewhere in Time. I'm sorry. This is bland. I wouldn't say it's horrible. But again, here comes Steve with his gallop bit. Like, it's like, God damn, why do I keep hearing his gallop? Ever since fucking Bruce joined Iron Maiden, Steve Harris has not become adventurous. I do not understand how everybody's like, <laughs> lathers the ass of this bass player. He's one of the greatest <laughs> bass players alive. Yeah, sure, he was on the first two minutes because he was all over the fucking fretboard. But ever since this guy joined, it's become... Dun, 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 dun. And here we go again. But the first verse on the song I think is pretty cool because Bruce sounds great with that lower register voice. You know, but you know, not sounding as flat as Justin's boyfriend's chest. <laughs> but I'll give I'll give it this. It was on the set list of the Final Frontier tour. That set list was so shitty that this song sounded awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all those shitty prog songs. Yeah. With the exception of the predictable songs like Trooper, Ratchild, Hallows, Hallow Be That Name, and Iron Maiden. But, I mean, that's the, uh, there's a positive thing I can say about this song. Wedged ah! against all those Final Frontier bullshit songs, uh, it, it sounded pretty good. But I think it's a crappy song, which has a couple little things that I can dig. So, it's not a total loss, but... This, you know, I mean, me and Justin, I mean, we cannot be on, on lesser... I mean, I think Dave Murray's a better guitar player. But I think Dave Murray sucks on this with him because this is like like whoever said it earlier. This is a fucking Adrian Smith album. Because yes. of those guitar harmonies, those happy little harmonies where it's like, ugh. It's like, you know, that shit when, when you know, you hear all these people ripping on that song Stars. And then all of a sudden, these two guys come in going, Oh my God, dude. I hate guitar harmonies, these two dudes. Like, dude, you listen to guitar harmonies, like fucking that part of fucking uh, Screaming for Vengeance. Dude, that shit rules. KK and fucking Glenn Tipton. Now that's a fucking guitar duel. Both of them eat these two for breakfast. Fuck Adrian Smith. Well, I, I know I'm saying that to Justin. He's getting a literal. Yeah, I'll fuck him. I'll fuck him. Yeah. yeah fuck this. Absolutely. Song. Yeah, exactly. This song when? sucks. Where? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, evil that men do. Fuck this song. I mean, but you know, I mean, it's not as terrible as uh, every song before it, other than uh, Moonchild. Moonchild's great. It's better than Infinite Dreams. It's better than Can I Play with Manners. And yeah, I'd say it's better than two others coming up as well, but uh, I don't like this. And I'll take the next one, which is the title track, correct, Seven Sun? Yes. All right. This is a great song. Second favorite on here. But come on, let's let's not bullshit each other. It's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner Part 2. 
You know, let's not kid each other here. The middle section with the bass and the smoking word. But the only difference is they add lane synths that Bruce said on the behind the music, behind the Iron Curtain, they would never go well with heavy metal. But this time, he was wrong. I like how it is. I like how they use it here. Uh, but I still like Rhyming Ancient Mariner better. But come on. How, you really, dude, like a 10-minute song where the middle, all of a sudden, it's just like little bass and some spoken word. Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner did the same exact thing. I mean, doesn't anybody say, hey, man, this is a total, like, ripoff of yourself. And for them to be like, oh, this is such a different album for Iron Maiden. Well, no, not really, man. It's It mirrors itself on past songs. But other than that, blatant ripoff of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, I really do enjoy Seven Son of a Seven Son. I think it's a great epic tune. And it sticks out like a sore thumb with Moonchild as a... These are the only two songs I truly love because my third favorite track, I don't really like it that much, but I think it's better than everything else other than these two songs. Seven Son of a Seven Son, two thumbs up. I love the song. What do you think? Ian, fuck Justin. Let him go last. He was putting me last. Uh, all right. Um, let's see. I like it, but it, it could be trimmed. Uh, it's not a pimple on the fucking ass of fucking Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Uh, but it, but it is, you know, again, to me, has has more of that maiden sound. But yeah, you do have the, the sense and everything, and, you know, it is kind of glossy. But uh, it, it has the maiden spirit, if you will. But it also, I mean, how many times is it, you know, this is something that plagues Maiden a lot. And you can tell this is one written by Steve Harris alone because he's so bad about repeating. Seven son of seven son, seven son of seven son, seven son of seven son. You know, it's like, heaven can wait, heaven can wait, heaven can wait, heaven can wait. You know, Angel and the Gambler, and you know, songs that are just so unnecessarily repetitive. And, uh, and I, there's, there's a good structure here, but yeah, I, I, I like what you said about rhyme because they try to make it that, but it's not that. I think this would be a great, even like six-minute song. You know, they could have got the point across. But, man, nobody can tell Steve Harris to, to trim it down, I guess. And uh, that, that's what I think would have helped this, but I still enjoy the song. But uh, unnecessarily long, in my opinion. What do you think, Justin? I love this song. I think it's a great epic I know it's similar to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner with that whole middle section and the spoken word, but where it really takes off is after that, very much like Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, after that dreamy section, it it really takes off. Um, <clears throat> Dave plays the first two solos, and then Adrian plays the next two solos. And I really like that when keyboards are and when it goes into that that guitar like na 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 it, it's it's really beautiful and it's it's well structured you know they couldn't write a song like this today if they tried quite frankly um i do love it again back to the whole concept of this album the so-called concept there's nothing concrete about the lyrics. There's no story being told. You know, it, it's like 
this couldn't be a movie because everything is so vague. Everything, everything is about like, here's the concept of the album. You know, Quadrophenia is a fucking story. I can identify with what Jimmy's going through on Quadrophenia, right? You know, I mean, that spoke to me. Like, he is this kid in London in the mid-60s. Hell, I was that age in Virginia in the, the 80s and 90s. But it still speaks to me. This is, whole concept is so vague that it fails. But that being said, I think this is a great song. It's structured well. It's nine and some odd minutes. And the bottom line is, it's a, it's a nine minute song that says a hell of a lot more than they could possibly say in a nine minute song today. Well, I, I just want to say thank you because I I never understood that Quadrophenia was about a kid from a trailer park in Virginia who always had to sit on the porch because mom was with a customer. <laughs> it, it, well, and, and, yeah. a, and with a satellite dish. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it's a hubcap. Let's be honest. <laughs> it wasn't a satellite dish. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll take the next song, and I'll go but, after you. Justin will be laughed again. There you go. Uh, the prophecy. Now, this is the one that has never been played. Uh, oh, so they did play that other one that's never been played, huh? Yes. How yes. funny. How funny. Yes, yes. Since that did. song really sucks. <laughs> uh, they never played this. This is the only one that has a writing credit from Dave Murray on the album. Um, and to me, it's the most forgettable song on the album. Uh, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call it horrible, but it's it's... It's not memorable. You know, it's, it's sometimes when I'm, you know, listening to, to albums, getting ready for the review, sometimes I, I have to replay a song because I just sit here and I space <laughs> out and I don't even realize a song happened. And that's kind of how I am with Prophecy. It's just like, oh, shit, there's a song? Oh, I got I got to pay attention again. Uh, adds nothing to the album for me. What do you think, Ralph? All right, this is my third favorite song on the album. <laughs> But, like I said, I think it's kind of shitty because of Bruce's voice. But musically, I think it's kind of fucking cool. The really cool few killer riffs that I like. And my favorite part of the song is that acoustic stuff they do on the last minute. I thought that was cool as fuck and made it my third favorite song on here. Now, to be honest with you, uh, when I did, when I went back to listen to this album, you know, to take notes, which was actually an hour before we did this review. Because uh, I woke up late today. Um, I didn't put on Moonchild. I didn't put on... Well, this is what I listened to this morning. I listened to Infinite Dreams. I listened to uh, uh, The Prophecy. And Only the Good Die Young. Because all those other ones, I think I got a good grasp on. Because I've heard them enough. Because, you know, there, there were videos for these songs. Or I just... You know, or, or there, there was there's songs that I've heard a lot. And uh, this one I, I, I listened to today for the first time in I don't know how many years. Because I never put on this album. And I really was, I was like, man, when the riff started kicking in, I was like, this is pretty fucking cool. But then Bruce came in and ruined it for me. But I did, and, and, the, and the structure of the verses really ruined it for me because it was, like, I don't know, Jethro Tullish, I don't know, like Froggy. 
<clears throat> trying to be a little different, doing like, you know, some ups and downs, roller coaster type versus uh, melody, and it really didn't stick well. But I think this would have been an amazing song as a lot for words or Transylvania. They should have made this, if they would have made this uh, instru <gasps> instrumental, I would have loved it a lot. The, the, the vocals were kind of ruined it for me, but I got to say it again, man. That acoustic-y stuff toward the end was fucking awesome. I dug it. Prophecy. All right. Last man. Justin, what's up? I fucking love this song. <laughs> I think... It, what, what can I say? I mean, I love it. I think I love the... Um, <clears throat> this is where maybe the concept album part of it like he's like now that I know that the right time has come he's like actually talking about something story related but it's so vague we still don't know what he what the fuck he's talking about um I do love this song I I, I think that acoustic outro is is amazing and lyrically it's good great solo by Dave and um, not, not much else to say. I, 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 I think it's a great song. It's not my favorite song on the album, but it's, it's definitely a positive part of the album. Who wrote that song, by the way? That was uh, Dave Murray and Steve Harris. Ah, no wonder Adrian Smith didn't play anything. It's cool fucking yeah. music, cool riffs. <laughs> exactly. All right, who wants to take the next one? Clairvoyant. Well, it's definitely not going to be Justin. All right, look. This is what I think of this one. Oh, look. And an intro by Steve. That is so whatever. Oh. The happy little... Oh, my God, man. I'm sorry, but this is like really grating on me, these guitar harmonies. This is not Thin Lizzy. This is not Judas Priest. Hell, this ain't even fucking L.A. Guns. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then, feel the break. Feel the sweat break on my breath. <laughs> Shut that the was fuck good. up. Shut that was the great, man. Of course I do it great. Shut the fuck up, Bruce Bruce. I wonder, you know, I wonder why, how people think this is good singing. I, I hate these happy harmony guitars. It's not like I always hated it because you hear this on past Maiden albums, but here it's like I've had enough of it. The song changed. The song changes on the song. It just, it's like right out of left field. So it's hard to live. You know, that, that all of a sudden it goes into that. It just doesn't fit. It's like a puzzle piece that is missing. Maiden is not good at that. Leave that for the experts who are called Merciful Fate. They can do changes that are nothing like past and make it work. This is like out of left field and just fucking terrible. This song bores the living piss out of me. Yeah, I know. I, well, it was either the second or the third single from the album. And I remember it did get a lot of airplay. It was the Castle Donington footage put to this video. And... Uh, I think it's terrible. I think it's a terrible song. And, uh, yeah, I think I've seen them. They did they, they play this. I think they played this on uh, Fear of the Dark. I could be wrong. But I think I've seen them play this again. 
And I was like, oh, really, man? This fucking shitty song? Fuck this song. Uh, what do you think, Ian? Uh, yeah. I, I'm not a big fan. It was the third single. Went to number six in the UK. It was the first song written for the album. And that's where Steve kind of got the whole idea. There was a psychic in uh, England called Doris Stokes. And uh, and she passed away. And, and that got Steve's attention. He's like, oh, oh, if she was really clairvoyant, you know, could she foresee her own death? And that was like the impetus for, you know, starting, you know, to, to make a concept album based around that. And he, he called up Bruce with the, uh, you know, with the idea. And Bruce, Bruce loved this shit. You know, he wasn't so happy about uh, Somewhere in Time because they rejected all his ideas and he really had no input. It was really, you know, depressed uh, around that era. But he jumped on this and loved it. And, you know, Adrian loved the... You know the proggy side of it you know and with the keyboards and that's where he wanted to go but uh yeah to me it's just another example of where they went wrong on this though you know too much keyboards and i, I don't know just lost the mark for me i you know yeah i i need another two minutes to midnight kind of aces high thing here and i'm not getting that you know i'm, I'm just getting more of this the the proggier shit it's not horrible, but not what I want out of Maiden, man. I want the, the punchier stuff. And I I noticed around this time you started seeing more people. I don't think it was talked about, you know, at least not amongst the Maiden fans I hung out with. Uh, you know, people start going, man, I really want to hear the Diano albums. You know, and I, you saw Division finally. You know, people were going back more. You were getting more of an appreciation for Paul because with Paul, you know, you didn't have this shit, you know. It was more like the the heavier shit. Even though I mean, he's got some great slow songs and everything, but you know what I mean. Just the overall vibe was more, you know, street worthy than uh, than this shit. You know, not as pretentious. What do you think, uh, Justin? Well, I love the bass intro. I love that that clicky sound of bass. That like the second time he goes through the riff, you can hear that. That clicky, like, yeah, I, I love this song. I think it's, um, it's almost too catchy. That, that you know, feel the sweat break on my brow. Is it me or is it shadows that are dancing on the wall? How are my vocals there? Was that pretty good? No, that was kind of horrible. But I love that shit. It's cool. Okay, it brings the the comedy factor to the podcast. Well, good. Um, I I do like this song a lot, and um, it's very. You can see. I hate to keep saying European, but like, like Americans, we like shit to the point. Get to the point. You know fucking like knock our socks off kick our ass and don't bore us get to the chorus yep yeah exactly and and well that's the problem with current maiden and all the fucking mate albums they've made since the fucking x factor now this song is is not long it's less it's five minutes at the most um, That's long. I love it. I think it's a great song, and uh, I say fuck both of you 
for not liking it. Ouch. He what sure can I say? Him, he sure showed us, Ian. Yes, he did. Oh, I, I schooled your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you should make a video of yourself singing this song. Yeah. And then, and then, and then spit into a cup. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you if you sing those all those notes like Bruh! it'll loosen the the fucking cum on your throat. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Ralph, why don't you start off with the last track? Oh, thank God we're there, man. Only the good die young. Yay! The end of the clusterfuck starts with another happy harmony guitar bullshit. Time waits for no man. Ew! I hate it. The verse. Wow, they're okay before Bruce starts with the moon is bleeding bullshit. Then the chorus, oh my. Tempo change with those happy keyboards that suck as bad as Bruce. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it really does suck. Like, you know, kind of like, I, can I play with Madness type keyboards? And that little bass thing he does that Wow, Steve, how technical. You know that little part where he does that delete, delete, delete? You know that part I'm talking about in the song? It's like it's like out of left field. It's like, yeah, it's, it's technical, right? It's technically shitty. And, and how is that abrupt part to go to that bombastic ending? Like, out of nowhere, the band goes, like, you know, oh, look, it's the bombastic ending to our amazing story. Ugh. Then Bruce comes back with that intro of Moonchild. Kind of like what Pink Floyd did on Animal on the Wall. The only difference is when Maiden did it, they did it with the AIDS virus. <laughs> Technically shitty. Six albums into their career and here's where they kill it. Yeah, only the good die young is right. Now, Billy Joel, now that's a guy who can write an amazing song called Only the Good Die Young. Fuck this song, fuck this album, and most importantly, Fuck Justin Childers. I mean Childers. I mean Childers. I mean whatever the fuck your last name is. And I bet he likes this one too. Let's come on, let's leave Ian for last. I, I'm just dying here. Is this a try? Is this like the perfect album? Every song this fucking jackass likes. Do you like this song too, Justin? I do like this song. <laughs> now, is this my favorite Maiden album? Fuck no. I think this album is um, I mean it can't touch Power Slave it can't well what's touch your no favorite what's your favorite Maiden album Power Slave you like every song off Power Slave absolutely alright cool alright so do I by the way I mean even back in the village people bitch about back in the village I, I love fucking... that song I've, I, I like adore. I like that song more than other songs on that album and I love that whole album fuck people <laughs> People suck. Back in the village rocks. It's amazing. Hell yeah. But, See those guitar riffs on those. There ain't no happy harmonies on that fucking song. No. It, it, yeah, it's it's very, um, very sweet, very happy. I do like this song. Now, you know what's funny about this album it is sucks. that. Well, <laughs> and people like it. That, That's funny. Is is that you? You want to do this concept album, and you want to tell a story, but this album is shorter than the previous 
several albums. You had time that you could have added in like little acoustic things. You could have introduced more characters into it. There's no characters in this album except for the prophet and whoever this seventh son guy is. It's just, um, I think it's a missed opportunity. I think they kind of half-assed it as far as the concept um, aspect of it. But I do like this song. Um, I don't know, did they ever play this song live? Yeah, no, yeah. Ian said they brought it back. They didn't do it on this tour. I can't believe, like, since they, they didn't play this on the tour, they actually brought it back on a later, I guess, that, that tour you saw, Brandy, <coughs> later on. They played this song. Can you believe this song was brought back from 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 back then that wasn't even played on this tour? It, to me, that's that boggles the mind. I could kind of see Prophecy be played before this one. Me well, too, yeah. Uh, now that I'm looking... I, I can't find where I thought I saw it, so maybe, maybe I made a mistake, and maybe this was never played live. Okay. I I, I, I thought I saw it somewhere else, but uh, I, I'm, I'm looking now, and I'm not seeing it. Yeah, because it does sound fucking bizarre how they would bring this song back, you know? Right. It's kind of like if Kiss was to play Odyssey now. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not finding it now, so that might have been a mistake I made in my notes. Um... I think it's an okay song, it, it, but it's definitely not great. Um, but it, it kind of, to me, it doesn't like seem out of place on this album because it's kind of the same as a lot of this shit. You know, it, this is definitely an album. You know, going back and thinking of the old man in the dirty bookstore who told me, you know, I wouldn't be listening to this in a few years. And in a way, he was wrong, but in a way, he was right because. Uh, this is definitely something that I listened to all the time when it came out, but it's not one that I still pick up. I mean, probably the, the main album I listen to the most is Somewhere in Time, and it's still not my favorite, but uh, kind of like how we, we said the same thing with uh, Never Say Die for Black Sabbath. It's not our favorite, but it's the one we listen to the most, and that's how I am with Somewhere in Time. But I, I very rarely go back and listen to Seventh Son. And now that I've listened to it, you know, two or three times getting ready for this review, it's probably going to be even longer, <laughs> you know, till I go back. But yeah, you know what? I might pop in Made in England after we're done. You know, who knows? Man, Bruce sounds like, like somewhere, like fucking live after death on that. Like really horrible. So yeah, you might like it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th this did start a decline. Uh, this album only went gold. In the U.S. Okay, so every album before this was platinum. I don't know if everyone was, but I mean, I, I believe I don't know if the first two went platinum in the states. Okay, well that doesn't count. I'm telling right. you, like what led up to this point, they were a platinum selling album. Yes, uh, yeah, yes. All all the Dickinson albums went platinum. Yeah, see, uh, that's that. There you go. That's proof that at that time, it was not a very well received album. And for people to like look look back, oh my God, it's the best Maiden album. It's like you weren't there, dude. Seriously. Right. And they also canceled the show on this tour in Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, due to poor ticket sales. Wow. See, now that shocked me because I thought they did very well because well, of past success. There was even one. Uh, they canceled the show on the Somewhere in Time tour due to uh, lack of ticket sales in wow. Texas. Wow. Yeah. Texas. 
Yeah. Texas is like a booming fucking metal. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, and, and Texas, they always play Texas, man. That's a huge maiden stronghold. But, yes, they did cancel one show on the Somewhere in Time tour due to lack of ticket sales. And on this tour, it was uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania was canceled. That's shocking to me. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, and, and you also saw, like, now, you know, they're no longer doing multiple nights anywhere. You know, it's all single nights. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, this was, this was the beginning. But, like I said earlier, it was a hard time for traditional metal as a whole. But I, I think the way they strayed with this and, and the keyboards didn't do them any favors. Well, uh, Ozzy, Ozzy was still doing really good. Well, the yeah, Ultimate but... Ultimate Sin was really... Right, but, but you remember 88, that's uh, when No Rest that came was, out. That was the backlash of fucking... I'm telling you, man, all these uh, bands, uh, you know, the, the, like, they came out, it's like, well, it's Ozzy, well, it's Maiden, well, it's Priest. I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing uh, bands, so these albums... Yeah, maybe maybe it'll grow on me, and then like after a couple of years, it's like now fuck them. And then when they when Ozzy goes back and does No Rest for the Wicked, which is a back to basics album, that show was canceled in South Florida, where I had to go up to Tampa to see it. Well, and again though, uh, you know, you look at this this era, you know, all these traditional metal artists started getting lighter, and. You know, the, the girls are, are into the cock rock, and the guys who are listening are starting to go to the thrash now. So they really kind of, you, you know, uh, uh, Priest did the same thing. I mean, yeah, the Turbo Tour was huge, but then look, look what happened with Ram It Down. It was yeah. nowhere near uh, that. You know, look, look what Dio did with uh, Sacred Heart, and then look at how, you know, Dream Evil wasn't on the same well, you know. uh, well I, I I can only judge by Florida and yeah dream evil I can totally say see the decline but uh what was the other bit uh Ram it down was still a packed house but 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 yeah but I, I mean, don't it, think it, it, it didn't it, sell as well as Turbo. right for sure. right so album, I, album sale wise but as far as touring and let me tell you something painkiller was uh a return of form and that's like a lot of people's favorite and I think that's a great solid album but at that time uh, they they were they were already experiencing a decline because they had they had Megadeth and Testament help sell those tickets and uh, I think that album went gold maybe you know yeah and, it went it went gold but not platinum yeah and and Halford left because yeah. he saw the writing on the wall he said let me go more this Pantera route let me start from the beginning let's start with a fresh new band so I can continue doing this metal stuff but not be with Judas Priest because Judas Priest is already old hat or was becoming old hat even as badass as painkiller see there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't understand out there you know you listen to your painkiller and your no rest for the wicked and all these albums that are so heavy you think that shit was huge but it really wasn't man I was there dude I mean I remember how incredibly fucking jazzed I was when I first saw the painkiller video and I thought, holy fuck! Not only is Priest back, but they're they're this is just fucking mind blowing good. And uh, then it was a big decline. Uh, Kiss, Unholy. I remember the first time I saw that video, I was like, holy fuck! This is the greatest Kiss song since fucking, you know, Not for the Innocent or Young and Wasted. You know? I mean, I know you beg to differ because you're into uh, Asylum, and I love Asylum too. I love Asylum more than Revenge. But I mean, that was the single of the song, and it did terrible for them. 
Right. Well, and I remember, you know, I saw the Hot in the Shade tour twice, and uh, those were those were big shows. But then again, you know, Slaughter opened up both shows, and one had Winger and one had Faster Pussycat. Yeah. And, so they, 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 they had they, good support. They and, also did have a top ten single at the time. Right. Well, and then I saw them on the Revenge tour, and oh God, uh, it was Great White who was on their way out at the time. I think it was uh, their Psycho Motel album came out, which didn't do anything. And Trickster oh, were, the, were the opening bands on the yeah. Revenge Tour. And and the Revenge Tour did not do the same numbers as uh, Hot in the Shade. They, they played a smaller venue, and it wasn't sold out by any means. Yeah, I, I saw that tour, too. The, uh, the Revenge Tour. It, it was uh, Trickster and Great White in Knoxville, and a the arena was like half empty. Yeah, it was it was a great fucking show. Oh yeah, no, but, but no, you no, know. no. I saw. Look, when they played the Miami Arena, it was on Halloween, and on the same night was uh, Megadeth and Suicidal Tendencies. And I chose to see Megadeth and Suicidal Tendencies, which was a great show. But I ended up getting a bootleg of the Revenge show, and holy fuck, dude, that show was. That set list was amazing. Parasite watching you. Oh, yeah. It was shit a great like set that. List. I mean, it was a great sh- set. And here's the crazy thing. Literally, both shows were blocks away from each other. Miami Arena is about three blocks away from Bayfront Park. And uh, Bayfront Park was beyond packed. And I don't know. I know uh, a couple of friends of mine went to see the Revenge show. But I don't remember them telling me the attendance of that show. But uh, I'm sure it was... Mega hurt by the Megadeth shirt. You gotta remember, at that time when I saw Megadeth at Bayfront, they were number two on the charts. That's Countdown, first right. show of the tour, and they were number two at that moment. Right. So yeah, that was, and yeah, it was just a decline because, and that's another proof. Here you have Megadeth, you know, and and the thrash shit. Suicide was very thrashy at the time, you know, opposed to the traditional shit, and it was just winning, man. Sure, Megadeth wasn't playing the arena, which is just as big, but I bet you it was the same numbers. Right. Right. Well, um, but but still, this album, you know, it, in, in hindsight, very highly regarded, but uh, I think you're absolutely right, though. If you weren't there, you don't realize that this was, uh, you know, the beginning, not, not the beginning of the end, but the beginning of a decline, at least in the U.S. There was a backlash amongst my metalhead friends, like, when we hung out, let me put it this way. When we hung out, you'd always hear Maiden blasting. By this time, all you hear was Metallica blasting and Slayer. They took their place. Sure, they weren't as big at that time, but they were big to us hardcores. You know what I mean? And us hardcores does not equal sold-out arenas. Right. But and it built from there. We, we're like, it's like we are kind of like the seed. And, and we, we, you know, we sprout this huge thing called Metallica that became like huge to everybody else, and we were kind of like, eh, you know, you know, D. Snyder had a great way of saying it. D. Snyder equated to a diamond in your pocket. Uh, it's like you know, Metallica to us back then was having a diamond in your pocket, but then when the Black Album came out, it's kind of like they took the diamond out of your pocket and they put it on display where everybody can see the fucking diamond, but you're like way behind everybody and you can't see the diamond anymore. Because there's too many people in front of you looking at that diamond in awe while we're like, well, that shit doesn't shine like Master of Puppets. And, you know, that's where where a lot of the hatred comes from. And the same thing with Maiden, you know, it's like, 
you know, Maiden became this uh, huge band, and people were kind of turned off by it after uh, Seven Sun. I'm telling you. Well, and also they got dropped by their label here in the states. Really? Oh, uh, that's right. They were on Epic. I did not realize they were dropped. I thought they just moved to Epic. Uh. Well, I, I I could be wrong. I mean, I mean, maybe they did leave. No, but, I don't, I don't know. I just I but, just but, figured that. But I know in in the states at least, uh, they went to another label. And another thing, when when No Prayer came out, I had no idea. I just walked in the record store like I did all the time, and it was like, holy shit, a new Maiden. But there was no build up about it. I heard nothing about it. You know, I didn't see the video for Holy Smoke till after the album was already out. You know, I, I told you they did play in Chicago at a smaller. Uh, arena, and and the show I never even heard promotion for it. So, yeah, it was definitely, you know, there was definitely backlash. But but now, you know, like hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm sure there's like new Kiss fans who probably think Creatures of the Night was huge when it came out, you know, and it wasn't. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, that was that was dude. That shit did worse than the Elder. You know, it's hard to believe, but it did. But again, Kiss was like. Dude, Kiss started the decline with Dynasty, really. As much as I love Dynasty, that hurt them like crazy. When I was little, oh, yeah. like I told that story a million times on this podcast, I got beat up for liking Kiss around the Dynasty time. And, uh, you know, and then Unmasked, I was like, I even hated them by then. I mean, I, I, I you know how I, I didn't like uh, Unmasked was I never even heard, I never even gave the album a chance. I never, never even heard the album. I remember watching Don Kirshner's rock concert, and they played Shandy. And at this time, I already was into, like, the new wave of British heavy metal. And I saw Shandy, I was like, okay, enough of you guys. You know, and then The Elder, I never heard, so a friend of mine goes, look, they do have one good song. He played me The Elder. I was like, yeah, it's good, but I took his word for it. I never listened to it. Then I told the story where the guy came to my house with a cassette of Creatures. And I was like, no, I don't want to hear that. Come on, give it a chance. Oh, okay. And that made me a kiss nerd again. And then I went to go see the tour to a half-empty, like, not even an arena. It was kind of like, you know, it's the size before an arena. Kind of like the Sunrise Musical Theater. This is West Palm Beach Auditorium. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. All righty. Well, uh, Justin, do you have any closing arguments on this album? I just want to say that I think Adrian leaving the band after leaving the band after well he is hot but he had <laughs> that, that, he that had a, mullet he had that killer mullet on oh that he had that blonde mullet going on at the yeah time. yeah and but wearing a he, Vinnie Vincent shirt inside the album yeah do you know um he left the band one thing that frustrated him a lot about this band was Nico playing too fast oh, I never and heard he, that Absolutely. If, if you get the Made in England DVD that they put out a couple years ago, there's a documentary on it. Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah, I got that. I just watched it. Yeah, yeah I probably. do have that. And I, I watched it once and it was very unmemorable. I never watched it again. Well, watch the documentary again. It, 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 Nico was playing so fast and, and Adrian was like, shit, Bruce can't even sing. He's playing so fast. And he, he left. He left <laughs> the band. That was part of the reason that he left the band. And he went on to do ASAP... Which I fucking love that album, Josh Carlson, my man, my fucking limey bastard buddy. Um, will it, agree. It, it says it says arsenic, assassin, uh, uh, arsenic. Yeah. That's all I got to but, say. 
But I love No Prayer for the Dying. I know you guys reviewed that album. Hey, but hey, I, hey, you know, I, I hate to cut you off, but you know what? Can we talk about the bonus tracks on this one, the B-sides? Sure. Because this, sure. That, this kicks ass. Black Bar some, Blues? Black Bar Blues rules. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a little too long wind in the beginning, and I don't really like that high pitch. If it would have just been a song, I would have liked it much more. Um, I loved um, oh, Massacre, dude. Yeah. Their version sure. of Massacre ruled. I didn't like Reach Out, though. I didn't like Reach Out. I loved Juanita. Uh, that's not that's not from this one. Oh, Juanita's not. Oh, that uh, was, Juan... Yeah, it was somewhere in time. How about yeah. that girl? That girl was somewhere in no, time. No, no. The, uh, the, bo- the bonus ones from this were Black Bart Blues. Awesome. Massacre. Awesome. Prowler 88 and Charlotte the Harlot 88. Eh. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like either one of those. And live versions of Infinite Dreams, Clairvoyant, Prisoner, Killers, and Still Life. Yeah, all that was like, eh. Even, you know, even as much as I was like glowing about, wow, they played Still Life and I didn't get to see it. I didn't really like the Made in England version because I just felt like Bruce's voice was like really, I, I kind of thought, oh, this is why they never played it live. But it was just—it would have just been cool to see them play it live. But yeah, uh, I gotta—I gotta say those studio B sides on this album, with the exception of the two remakes, are fucking awesome. I like Black Bar Blues. I thought that shit was great. I haven't listened to it in years, so I, I really can't. It's just the beginning of it. It's just so long. You know, it's like some nerdy guy trying to get on the tour bus. Right. And, but then when it goes into the song, it's total rip roaring. The Maiden I love. The, the, it sounds like power. It could have been a power slave, except, you know, it was silly. But it's still, music-wise, it was pissed. And, and The Maiden I love, you know? All right. So we're well, done with the B-sides. Can I tell you, I, I think it's important to note, Adrian leaving after this album, and I think, look, I love No Prayer for the Dying. I, that, to me, is like... Ralph, what's the what's the Black Sabbath album that you listen to a lot, but it's not your favorite? Uh, Never say die. Okay, well, in no prayer. That's is that album for me. Right. I can put that album on and just let it play, and I fucking love it. Is it the one you listen to the most? Ah, uh, no. But, yeah, you I, see, but never it, say die is the one I listen to the most. You know, cool. But well, but it's an album that I can put on in whatever mood I'm in and just let it play and love it. I do. Lo- I mean, and, I don't love the album, but I gotta tell you, man, I, I did enjoy it more. And when it first came out, I was like, yeah, now this is the maiden I fucking love, you know? Yeah. Well, I think they had to go back to basics because let me let me tell you, the cover art of Seventh Son is ridiculous. I mean. Eddie's not even a full person anymore. He's just like a torso. Yeah, I, was, I always thought that too, but it is very much loved as an album cover, but I always thought it was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of weak. Yeah, it's like every album continues from the, like he had the, after, every album after Peace of Mind, he had the, the bolt on his, uh, yeah, you know, because he had his like, lobotomy or whatever yeah, right. and and now he's not even a, a full person he's just like a torso he's just like a uh, from the waist up and a head and I thought it 
I agree with Steve. They needed to get back to basics and have just a normal album cover and make a, a kick-ass album. And I think No Prayer is a good fucking album. Yeah, but, I, mean, I, I, thought, I didn't think it was great, but yeah, I agree. It was good. It was uh, a, a step in the right direction, but then they took, uh, they, they took a fucking detour again with the next one, Fear of the Dark, which was fucking terrible. But you know, you know what? I, I'll tell you, I think Adrian must have kept them in check because if you hear live recordings from after, uh, well, from No Prayer onward, they are so fucking sloppy. They sound like shit. That 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 a real live one and a real dead one. Oh, those are terrible. I mean, terrible. I, I'm telling you, Adrian would not have allowed that shit. Dude, I, I would even I, go as far to say that uh, Live After Death are better than both those albums. <laughs> wow, Seriously. shit. Hey, listen, regardless of what you think about Bruce's voice, the band is fucking tight as fuck. Oh, no, no. no. They're beyond tight on those dude but here's my point dude it's like the band is playing so spot on on live after death and i will give them that but they're playing like like note for note exactly like the studio versions so it's like i'm listening to the studio version on, on live after death with horrible singing you know it's like where hey if i want to hear these songs i'm gonna put on fucking peace of mind or or, or number or power slave, so I can hear the band play exactly like they do. They don't really take chances on. Now that's one thing you both have to admit. The band may sound spot on on Live After Death, but are they doing anything different than what they did on the studio albums? I so think how, so. How? Give me an example. How would be thy name? All right, I gotta that, listen to that again. The version of How Would Be Thy Name on Live After Death. I mean. Nico is pushing that shit. He, he is playing faster, and I think it's way better than oh, the, the, I, the... I'll, I'll have to listen to it again, but I'm telling you this, me being as biased as I am, I, I think maybe I'll even lie to myself because, dude, Nico doing better cl than Clyde Burr, I can't see it. Yeah, I, well, I, I like mean, the I can, I, can, I can see a match Clyde Burr in some instances. But better Clyde Burr? No, no, come on. Come I on. just, well, well, let me say this. Clyde Burr and Paul Deanna. Okay. Um, remember tomorrow. There ain't no fucking way that Bruce and Nico can top what they did on that, on that song. Remember tomorrow is, is all about Paul and Clive. It is perfection the, the the made in japan version fuck it, it that uh, is flawless, flawless. it is perfection yep there's no way bruce and clive or bruce and nico could have improved on that right there's no way i agree but hallowed be thy name i think nico live kicked it into another gear that just made it even better than the right. album version. I'll give it another chance. See what you're saying. Because as far as I remember, Live After Death, it was just the studio versions with bad singing. That's what I felt like. You know? The band was great. But dude, you gotta remember, I also saw that tour. And I wish they would have fucking recorded that show. 
instead of the long, uh, the long Beach Arena because Bruce sounded yeah. great. They were fucking amazing on the Power Slate tour, and I saw them prior on the Peace of Mind tour, and they were they had an off night. They were terrible. I mean, not terrible, terrible, but dude, it was the first time I saw Maiden. I was the biggest Maiden fan at the time, and I left that show thinking to myself, holy fuck, they weren't really that. Dude, I thought Quiet Riot was better. And you know a funny thing? Uh, here, I'm, I'm going to cue you, uh, uh, Ian. You there? You ready? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to cue you. You know what Ruben De La Rosa told me? I love that guy. He went to. He said that he knows a guy on Facebook that said to him, Dude, I was at that Peace of Mind tour uh, at Sportatorium, and, and Quiet Riot blew him away. I was like, whoa! I thought I was the only guy that thought that, you know? And and believe me, I, Iron Maiden versus Quiet Riot is not even fucking... They're not even close. Iron Maiden blows them away badly. Badly. But that night, I mean, all the... At that time, all the planets were aligned for Quiet Riot. They were the thing. They were, for that moment... And they played a rip-roaring fucking show. And they destroyed Iron Maiden. So the next tour, Power Slave, was with Twisted Fucking Sister. A band to this day, I think, is the, one of the greatest live bands you can ever see. And I told everybody back then, watch Iron Maiden get their ass handed to them by Twisted Sister. What happened that night? Dee Snyder gets in a fight with some guy in the front row for about 10 minutes, ruins the show. JJ French goes up to the microphone at one point going, hey, like, uh, tonight we're not going to play The Price. And at that time, that was their new single and everybody loved it. The whole arena booed. And I'm like, why would you say that? Why would you actually say, hey, we're not going to play a song you all love. Just don't play it. and Don't say nothing, you know? And then Maiden came out and destroyed them. They were fucking on fire that night. And I was like, whoop, I'm sorry. I thought, you know... I thought I was fucking Iron Maiden was going to be shit like the last time, but no, I was wrong. And that show, Bruce sounded great, man. As far as I remember, he did not sound, and you know, and I love this excuse for people that love uh, Live After Death. They go to me. When I bring up the fact, but Bruce sounds like shit, they go, yeah, but you got to remember, like, Bruce was on tour for, like, that was toward the end of the tour. He played a million shows before that. And you still say it's great, though. And now you're making excuses why he was not great. You maiden friends are maiden tards. That goes to both you idiots, too. <laughs> Fuck you both. <laughs> Okie dokie. All right, well, Summon Sun came out April 11th, 1988. It once... should have came out April 1st. <laughs> once again, produced by Martin Birch. And uh, it was number one in Europe, I mean, uh, in the UK, but it made it to number 12 in the U.S., but only going gold. So uh, it fell off the charts pretty quick compared to their previous releases. And uh, it's it's definitely got a cult following, but uh, not so much with me and Ralph, but, uh, you know, Justin loves it. And, and, <laughs> and so does a lot of the newer generation. They just love that fucking album. Very true. Very true. All right, well, uh, now let's go into Pick of the Week. And, Justin, since you're our not-so-special guest, what's your Pick of the Week? Man, my Pick of the Week is MSG One Night at Budokan. Oh, nice. I love that. I have it on vinyl. Because, man, it, it, I'll tell you, Strangers in the Night is such a celebrated live album by UFO. And God damn it. 
one eye of Budokan just just destroys that. You've got let's put let, let me let me lay it out for you. You got a better singer in Gary Barden. You got cozy fucking Powell on drums, and you got better songs. And and frankly, I think Michael Schenker got better as a guitar player after he left UFO. So, I mean, let Sleeping Dogs Lie and Armed, Armed and Ready, and the, I mean, just these songs are fucking amazing, and I adore that live album. I can put that that on and just let it play, and it, for my money, destroys UFO in every possible way. So, uh, yeah, One Night of Budokan, MSG, you put that on, and then if you like that, go, go on YouTube and listen to the um, MSG uh, Rock Plast performance from Germany, uh, and, and it'll blow you away. The only thing I don't, the only thing I regret about One Night of Budokan is that they didn't put Rock Bottom on there. Because the, the the Rock Palace version with Cozy and Gary Barden is so fucking good. And uh, yeah, if if you like Shanker at all, check out Budokan and you will fucking love it. All right. I agree. I think that's a great album. And I, I prefer it over Strangers of the Night, too. All right. My pick of the week is a... I should say, I don't know if forgotten is the right word, but definitely overlooked album by an overlooked band, and that's Overkill. And the album is WFO, which uh, stands for Wide Fucking Open. And this came out, I want to say this is around 96 or so. I think it was 94. Was it? I I could be wrong. All right. Well, anyway, it's a mid-90s album. But, uh... Really good album, uh, Fast Junkie, The Weight, New Highs and Lows, uh, Supersonic Hate, Bastard Nation, but uh, the, the the crowning jewel of this album is Gasoline Dream. Fuck yeah. Uh, to me, that's kind of like the, one of the most epic, amazing Overkill songs ever. Oh yeah, and if you get a chance, they uh, they did a live album and uh, DVD called Wrecking Your Neck. Yeah. And... and uh, Man, there's a version of Gasoline Dream on there that's just fucking amazing. And, uh, you know, Overkill, definitely an overlooked band, and, and especially this era. You know, they kind of have a resurgence. They're getting a lot more respect nowadays. But, uh, you know, in the mid-'90s, that era of thrash, you know, you know, Metallica, fucking forget about it. You know, uh, Megadeth, forget about it. I mean, they were putting out horrible albums. Um, you know, but, you know... Bands like Overkill and, you know, Nuclear Assault and stuff like that, man. You know, people weren't following like they used to in the 80s. And uh, go back and check out this album, Wide Fucking Open. Uh, I know it went out of print, but they, but it's back on CD. And I think they might even have it. It might be like two albums on one CD kind of thing now. But uh, definitely check it out, Wide Fucking Open. That is my pick of the week. I wonder if it still has 99 tracks. Do you remember that? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and if and some of those tracks 
uh, th there's a version of them doing Heaven and Hell, Black Sabbath. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and it's not like you can go to track like 72 and find it. What it was was, you know how sometimes CDs have those two little, like you see a two-second pause before it goes into the next track? Well, that's how Heaven and Hell was. It was like in one of those kind of like two-second pause, but it was like a minute, a minute pause, and they put in Heaven and Hell that to go into the next track. So let's say you're flicking through the track, you'll never hear it. you got to literally either fast forward or just leave it on. And, you know, that's one thing I hated about CDs back then, those hidden tracks, because they would always scare the piss out of me. Because there right. were times I would leave, you know, I'd crank up an album and I'd forget to turn it off and I'm doing so. All of a sudden a track would fucking come out. I'm like, what the hell? You know, yeah. and that's, that's what I, and there were a couple other little hidden gems. Yeah, uh, 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 Ripper and uh, Voodoo Child. Really? Yeah, oh, you're, you're right. It was 94. There you go. I knew. I, I know my shit. I was thinking 94-ish. Because, you know, I timed the 90s with the Kiss reunion. And I'm like, no, that was before the Kiss reunion. You know? <laughs> so, uh, WFO is an amazing fucking album. And so is that MSG and Budokan. I love I wouldn't go as far as say it's better than Stranger Than Night, but it is a fucking great, great live album. And a great pick by both of you. Thank you. Finally, you both do something right. <laughs> All right, my pick, and I'm going to go a little extreme now because this is something that I never do on the show, is uh, I'm not, like, the biggest death metal person. I'm, I'm very much stuck in the old school of death metal. And here's a death metal band that is very loved by the under underground because not a lot of people, you know, if you're going to think of death metal, people are going to think of Cannibal Corpse. But do anybody think of Angel Corpse? You guys ever heard of that band? I've heard you talk about it, but I've never heard of it. Yeah, Angel Corpse, an amazing, amazing fucking brutal, brutal death metal band. And the album I picked this week, and I don't think a lot of people, a lot of listeners are going to like it, but hey, give it a chance. You might, you never know. It's called Exterminate. Man, <laughs> Christ Hammer, Into the Storm of Steel. You know, listen to those songs alone. Just those... Give those two songs a chance, and then tell me. War Torn. That is a brutal, relentless, it's a very, very, it's like, to me it's death metal with no preservative, but it also has kind of their own signature sound with the death metal. And, it, you know, a lot of people, oh, death metal sounds the same. No, this doesn't. And you may end up not liking it, but you can't tell me this shit sounds like all that other death metal was going on at that time. I think it was groundbreaking. What, what's the name of the album? Exterminate. And it was and it was the one death metal album that came out after me not liking death metal for many years. And I was like, all right, finally. Here's a band doing something fresh. Uh, so, yeah, that's my pick of the week, 1998's Exterminate. Right on. All right. Well, now we got to go into Fan of the Week. And uh, Fan of the Week this week is Steve Bell. Steve Bell's been posting a lot on the page lately, and that, that guy's from Australia, right? Uh, that I don't know. I think he is. But uh, he's been very active, and and that's what we ask. Uh, man, get on there, you know, be part of it. Don't just join and that never do anything. And uh, you know, again, I want to bring up a lot of people been getting in trouble on the Facebook page for pictures. I really don't think we have anybody in the group. Uh, that that's turning in shit because we're all a wild group of motherfuckers. Even the women on our page are dirty. 
But uh, I think we are being watched by Facebook. I just got a notification the other day, and they were letting me know it was Facebook themselves uh, who reported the picture. And they have this thing now uh, where they detect, like, algorithms or whatever in the pictures to where they automatically, like, if there's nudity, they're finding it a lot quicker. So just, you know, be careful what you post is all, is all I'm going to say. Uh, I, I know a friend of mine from another page, he just got banned for 30 days because he'd been banned. So, you know, he got so many uh, warnings and stuff. So be careful. You know, you can pretty much say whatever you want, but... Uh, you know, if you're going to post some nudity, you know, be prepared. And I really don't think it's anybody on the page. But those well, are... You know, if, 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 let's say, you know, that there's more nudity in that warning we got. It doesn't really... They're not really going to do anything to us, right? If it's other people doing it? Well, so so far we haven't got into it. But, you know, you told me experiences you had with the Thrash or Die page where, you know, when you get banned, all the... the yeah, all the, admin, all the admins get banned. They all get mad at me. What if... Every time they get one of those notifications, they have to go through a lot of bullshit to get back on Facebook. They always say the same thing. What did Ralph do now? Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think they would shut down the page, but you never know. But it seems like they're getting a lot more, you know, you're seeing a lot more censorship on fucking Facebook. So, uh, join the page. Have fun. Just be careful, kids. Like I said, man, I wish I had the money to start my own social network. And be like, dude, it's a free-for-all. You can post whatever you want, but you will get banned if you put up anything Van Hagar. There you go. <laughs> so thank you, Steve Bell. You are our fan of the week. And uh, Justin, uh, do you want to let people know what uh, men's restrooms they can find you in? Yeah, well, you know, I live in North Carolina, so you you got to be careful which, which bathroom you use. And... Uh, but I will be in there. I'll be in the men's room. And uh, <clears throat> you just come on in there. Uh, the rest area off of 220. Yeah. Just south. Yeah, just south Greek. Y'all come in yeah. there, literally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. The, the 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 rest area just on 220, just south of Greensboro. You all come, in, come on in there and, we, we, you know, we can work something out. Is there a special knock or anything, or, or you know? Yeah, you just, you knock seven times on the seven on the seventh. Oh no, man, you just you just gotta flash some cash, and we, you know we got we can work. <laughs> All right, well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, and why don't we get to the plugs now? Listen to the Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully G U L L Y A N D J O A dot U K, eight p.m. UK time. 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Alright, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. 
That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. All right, well, if you enjoyed this album, and we know you did, come back next week when, holy cow, this is going to be a fun one. Newly single Ozzy Osbourne joins us in the studio. And uh, I have no idea what album we're reviewing because I couldn't understand a fucking word he said. But uh, I know he's single and he's ready to party. And uh, can't wait to have the Prince of Darkness, Ozzy Osbourne, next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs>